Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Sean Carey Tattoo. And Sean, the time is finally here, the last event of the year, Amanda Nunes versus Ronda Rousey. Can you believe she's back, dude? I don't, I mean, you know, let's, she's, she's going to fight. Is she back? I don't know. That's different, right? It we'll is, di- it is different, but let's put it like this. I mean, the MMA genius and I had a wager that she would never come back. So, uh, shout out to my boy. He just lost that bet. <laughs> so dude, I mean, you see these weigh-ins today? I did see the weigh-ins. Yes. I, uh, I expected her to be not freaking out, just put on that fake tough face that she does and just stare and, and, and run the fuck out of there at top speed before somebody asked her about getting knocked out. <laughs> that's what she did. So that's good. I would have rather her, you know, shit breaks and freaked out, but I didn't think that she would. Dude, we can't remind her about what happened last year, you know? No, 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 no. Don't talk about that. That's bad. Don't talk about that. That's off limits. It really is, but you know what's not off limits? Brandon Thatch is minus 165. That's off limits. And he's taking on Nico Price, who's plus 155. Now, you recall pre-USADA when Brandon Thatch was, you know, one of the emerging contenders in the welterweight division. The way this dude would put people away, I mean, obviously he sets you up high with the, with the punches, and then he'll finish with a nice body kick, a liver a liver kick, and uh, dude was ruthless. I mean, the way he put away Justin Edwards, the way he put away Paulo Tiago, I mean, back then it meant something. Now it's kind of like, oh, who the fuck are those guys, right? Who the fuck are those guys? But, uh, you know, <laughs> the thing is, man, when he fought Benson, you know, props to everyone that called Benson in that spot because I wasn't one of them. I, I was like... You know, he's taking on a 55-er, he's going to smoke him, you know, he's Clarence Thatch's son, and this and that. And You know, it's funny because it was initially supposed to be Brandon Thatch versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I don't know if you recall that, Sean. And you know who was favored to win that fight, Sean? Thatch. Thatch was favored to beat Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, okay? So when when you think about that in perspective, and then it's like, okay, well, Wonderboy's out, and now Benson's going to fill in. I was like, all right, yeah, he's going to smoke this little 55-er. And, man, we learned a lot about Thatch in that fight. I'm not even going to get into the quick tapping stuff yet. Let's get into something else. Let's get into the whole dropping someone and helping them back up thing. Can we talk about that first, Sean? Yeah, never a good sign, is it? Never a good sign. Brandon Thatch tries to be your friend in there, and you don't want that when you're betting on someone. Not only that, man. I mean, I was watching the weigh-ins earlier. Nico denied him twice of the handshake, and I know, oh, it's just a handshake. That's got that's got nothing to do with the fight. I mean, dude, it's all psychological. The psychological warfare has begun. Nico got in his face, and he let him know, look, man, I'm here to fight. I want to knock you out or tap you out because you've been tapped out your last three fights in a row, and I want to get this UFC victory. Now, I know a little bit about Nico Price because uh, some of my training partners that used to live in Florida actually go way back with Nico Price. So they were telling me before this matchup was made, back when Nico got signed, they were like, dude, look out for my boy Nico Price. I mean, they, they're like, I've seen him whoop on UFC vets. He can, uh, you know, he's a little bit sloppy on the feet, but he's got heart and uh, he's accurate and he's powerful, but also he can take you to the ground. And that's where he can have an edge over Thatch here because look, Thatch is one of those guys that he's probably amazing in the gym. He probably whoops everyone's ass in the gym. But when it comes to the fight time, I mean, the takedown defense just isn't there. And he quick taps when you, you know, when you get a little submission on him, man. You know, last week when I got that Sage Northcutt fight incredibly wrong, you know, I kind of dismissed 
the quick tapping he did against uh, Brian Barbrenna, I was like, that's not going to matter against a dude who's only beat a reporter and a pro wrestler, right? Well, it did fucking matter. Yeah. And here, I'm yeah. not, not going to dismiss it again, Sean. I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. Even though Brandon Thatch is probably the more technical striker, I think that when this fight starts to get dirty, that's when Thatch is going to question himself. That's when a guy like Nico thrives, man. And uh, I think he's just going to win on pure grit. So I got Nico Price. I'm not betting it just for the sole fact that, you know, it opened, you know, upwards of 2 to 1. Now it's plus 145. All that action coming in, you know, it's taking me away from it. Plus, it's his UFC debut. He's taking on an experienced guy. But I do not trust Brandon Thatch whatsoever. I think he's a quitter. I think he's a front runner. And I think he tries to be your friend in there. And if he drops Nico Price, he's probably going to help him back up, high five and hug him and let him fix his hair like he did to Benson. So never bet on Brandon Thatch. I got Nico Price inside the distance. Well, I mean, I think you're right to not trust Brandon Thatch. Uh, the issue here is that I don't trust Brandon Thatch either. Um, and I went into looking at these fights in order to fade Thatch, and I can't do it because I looked at Price, and, uh, you know, who knows what he looks like in the gym? Who knows what he looks like now, et cetera, et cetera. But I watched four of his fights, um, and he had the same problems in, in every fight, which is his, his stand-up is not good. The defense is super porous. His head is like a gigantic floating balloon that people can't seem to miss. Uh, he's, he's just really sloppy, man. He's really sloppy. And in order for him to win this fight, he's going to have to make it gritty. He's going to have to make it ugly, maybe get a couple takedowns and, and, and do it that way and get to Thatch how other people have gotten to him. I'm not going to say Thatch is yellow because I don't think it's that. I think it is his breathing, uh, his cardio. I know he's got a puffer, so some, something is going on there. There's probably other psychological elements to it as well. But the problem is he's a front runner who's going to be in front here because these guys are going to trade and when they trade, the firepower of Thatch is going to land. I have no idea if Price can take that kind of firepower, but I, we're definitely going to fucking find out. He's going to get hit clean somewhere in this fight. Um, after wanting to go against Thatch and watching this, I was like, ooh, I like Thatch by knockout. Uh, the Thatch inside the distance price is just fucking terrible. I'm not into it. It's not even plus money. So no bet, but to me, it looks like when these guys trade, it thatches it at a huge advantage. And no doubt, if, if Price gets past that and survives the storm, he'll probably win. But I don't see him surviving the storm. I see Thatch being pretty comfortable. Thatch has to knock him out to win, in my opinion. You know, in and, a, in and a, also, go, go ahead, ahead, go ahead. In a way, no, go ahead. In a way this fight kind of reminds me of Alex Morano versus James Muntasri. But Thatch has less heart than Muntasri. I mean, I, Muntasri, he, he gets discouraged in there, but I've never seen him straight up quit. I, I've seen Thatch quit well, what three the fights fuck, in a row. What happened to him last time? He I, was like, I'm going to throw only this left body kick over and over again and not do anything else. He had a perfect set, set up fight for him, a guy who's going to sloppily scrap with him and he, just. He got shut ugh, down, man. Whatever. I, I mean, it's like a. It the, was fucking terrible. Dude, it's like the Kelvin Gastelum thing. When Kelvin fought Uriah Hall, I mean. 
at that point, dudes were shitting their pants if they got the call to fight Uriah Hall. And Kelvin, yeah, he wasn't the more technical guy, but it didn't matter. He was the grittier guy. So, you know, I see this kind of being a version of that. So it's about, can Nico Price get past what Brandon Thatch brings to the table. If he does, he's going to win this fight. If he doesn't, he's going to be laid yes. out. He's going to be laid out cold. Now, it's not just uh, you know. I my, think that's an accurate read. Yeah, and it's not just my buddies at the gym that told me he's legit. I mean, Dustin Poirier told me he's legit too. He's like, dude, he's definitely tough. I'll tell you that. So, you know, if dudes like that are backing him, I mean, yeah. he, I, I, look, Dustin. Let's put it like this: Dustin's not a bullshitter. You know, it's funny because remember how I bet against Cole Miller in that Mizuto fight? So, uh, fucking Colby Covington posts a picture. And it's like him, Mike Brown, Cole Miller, and some other guy. And Dustin uh, subtweets it, and he's like, let's go, Colby. And it's like, dude, Cole Miller's your teammate. He's in the picture there, too. He wasn't like, let's go, Cole. He was like, let's go, Colby. So that tells me that Dustin wouldn't just say that if he didn't mean it. You know what I mean? If this dude was a quitter, I don't think Dustin would be like, oh, he's definitely tough. I mean, we we know what the problem with saying somebody's tough is. You know what I'm saying? That that, that that. that could mean, yeah, I've seen this guy get the shit knocked out of him. He's still around. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it could be that. One more thing about Thatch, too. I mean, Thatch is up against the wall, right? Yeah. It's it's win or or go somewhere else. Uh, you're not sticking around if you don't win this one. And when it comes down to it, you know, divorce him from – from all the problems and the holes that we've seen and just talk about the offensive talent that he brings, it's real. You know what I'm saying? His offensive striking, the firepower, uh, the talent is there, the the possibilities of him still being good if he was to get his shit together is there. Like, when it comes down to it, this guy can beat uh, a regional short-notice guy when his back is up against the wall, who's who's stylistically perfect for him because he's going to get hit. You know what I mean? He can win this fucking fight. And talent-wise, I see it in Thatch. I do not see it in this other guy. But uh, let's find out. Because sometimes just being tough can, can shit all over talent, you know? Definitely. And, you know, I agree with you. I mean, Thatch is the more talented guy in the striking department only. And this ain't a fucking kickboxing match. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it could turn into one. But, you know, I mentioned this earlier, and I kind of This guy wants to brawl, though, right? This guy wants to brawl. Yeah, but so... That looks kind of obvious. But so did Murano with Muntastri, you know what I mean? And he shut down the more technical striker by doing that. Not saying that's going to happen here, but it definitely could. And also, I I made this point earlier, and I want to emphasize on it. I do believe that Brandon Thatch is a victim of USADA. Because, I mean, if you go and watch his fight against uh, my boy Biggie Rhodes, then you watch his fight against CR... Ain't the same dude. And it's not because oh, CR's, you know, that much better. That's not why. I mean, dude, he fucking looked smaller and shit. Like, why are these dudes looking fucking skinny now, Sean? You know, could be. You never know. He Man. looks fucking ripped, though. <laughs> In that way, and like, he looked fucking huge and ripped. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, I kind of wish uh, they, they kept that Eric Silva fight intact, but... Uh, it's not uh, it's not their fault. It's Thatch's fault for pulling out. But, man, that would have been a good one. Thatch versus Eric Silva in Brazil. You know they would have both been on the sauce. But, hey, man, may the best man win, Sean. And we got a bet on this next one. You ready? Because Antonio Carlos yeah. Jr., he's minus 135. The comeback on Marvin Vittori is plus 125. And I got to tell you what, Sean, Marvin is carrying the torch for Italian MMA. You know, it used to be Alessio Sakara back in the day. <laughs> and uh, now it's Marvin Vittori. And, you know, it's funny because... 
he whooped dudes asses so badly on the regional scene that when he first came into the UFC, I was saying shit like, you know, this ain't Venator, you know, the rep doesn't have an earpiece uh, letting the opponent know when to go down anymore, right? And uh, it turns out Marvin's actually really fucking good, man, because in that last fight with Uda, what Uda's known for is his clinch. And Marvin had zero problems in that clinch, and in fact, uh, you know, he got back up from a takedown, he reversed the position, then he submitted Uda with a beautiful guillotine. I mean, that was a nasty guillotine. I know Antonio Carlos Jr. is the jiu-jitsu world champion, but I'll tell you what, he gets caught in that guillotine, he's going to tap too. And, you know, Carlos, yeah, he is a jiu-jitsu world champion, but he's a gi jiu-jitsu world champion. There's no fucking lapels in MMA, there's no belt to grab onto. And here's the thing with Antonio Carlos Jr. He's also a front runner, just like Thatch, except he's a front runner in the grappling department. I mean, you watch that fight with Dan Kelly, and uh, you know, first round, he's doing his thing, you know, but he can't tap him out, he can't get him out of there, so he gets a little more discouraged. Third round, man, uh, he quit. He looked for the door, and it's not the first time we've seen that. We saw that in the Patrick Cummins fight, too, you know, but you can make the excuse, oh, you know, he's a middleweight, so let's give him a pass for that one. But then we saw it again again against Kelly, so, you know, I don't have not any... Not to mention the dude has fought at, he's fought at heavyweight. He's fought as big as heavyweight. I just don't you have I mean? any reason to believe that if he doesn't submit Marvin, that he's not going to go ahead and quit. Because, look, Marvin's one of no. these Kings MMA guys, man. And we talk about it every episode of the show. Some guys thrive in that environment. Some guys don't. Jake Ellenberger and Patrick Cummins do not thrive in Kings MMA. I mean, you see Patrick getting knocked out every single fight. That's because he's the punching bag in the gym. You see uh, Jake Ellenberger quitting every fight because he's the punching bag in the gym. But then you see a guy like Benny outstriking Rashid, knocking out James Vick. You see a guy like Kelvin knocking out Tim Kennedy. Like, those are the dudes that thrive in that gym, and I feel like Marvin Vittori is one of them, Sean. So for that reason, I put one unit on him at dog money at plus 115. Currently, it's plus 125. It got better. It's one unit shot on Marvin Vittori. Uh, I'm on Vittori as well. I think I see, I see something in Vittori and uh, the other Italian fellow. Uh, Di Carico, that's my boy. Di Carico, Di Carico. Yeah, I, I, there's something there. And and when these guys come in young on their debut and put put together a scrappy performance, it's even against a, no, a nobody. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's a very bad position to come from Europe, from their regional scene. Even though Venator seems to be like, uh, you know, it's it's sort of legit as far as as far as those organizations go. So far, anyway, um, to come over from that and it was short notice and and all that and and put that together and you know have to fight through some adversity and pull off a good win. That's saying something, and it and it's 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 a lot of guys aren't doing that. You know what I'm saying? And this kid, what is he? Twenty three or twenty four? He's just a kid, right? man. Super young, right? He's just a kid. Yeah, he's he's only going to get better. You, we've seen the will to win. We don't really know a ton about his skills. Uh, we don't know if if Shoeface could just you know find a gap and dominate him on the ground and 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 get him early. But if that doesn't happen. If he survives that, I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, you know, Shoe Faces has a conviction for having a yellow streak, right? That's a real thing, right? We've seen it enough. We've seen him start to lose and not like it and, and just look for the door oh, more yeah. than once. 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a real thing. 
So and Sean, sorry this, to cut you off, but no matter what, and he's still favored every single fight. Yeah, because this, I mean, the skill is there, but it doesn't like it doesn't really matter. It, it, it's at this point, it looks like if you get through that, you're good. You know what I'm saying? I think this kid can get through that. This this bet is about can Vittori survive that and 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 not accept getting laid on, even if he's not getting subbed, even if he's not like uh, you know in a bad predicament, even just the situation where do you think that Vittori will lay on his back and accept that and not instantly try to get up over and over again? He doesn't seem like that kind of dude to me. He seems like a dude who's going to keep on trying to get up. I think if you get up enough against Shoeface that eventually he'll be like, oops, doesn't look like I'm winning this one, and then you can take over the fight. I saw enough scrappiness and enough toughness out of Vittori in his first fight and in the previous fights that I looked at to think that he survives what Shootface brings at him early and wins a decision, if not stops him late. Here's what Marvin Vittori had to say about his upcoming fight with Antonio Carlos Jr., I think like jiu-jitsu is not MMA, so you can be very good at jiu-jitsu, but then uh, the MMA grappling and the aspect of the grappling in, uh, in the MMA is different. So I'm not really scared of jiu-jitsu. If I have to go to the ground, I'll have no problem. I, I, I'll, I'll exchange with him. And uh, obviously I'll try to keep a stand up. Uh, I want to knock him out standing. But uh, just in case we go to the ground, I won't shy away. No way. I will go down and beat him up. He's a guy that he always gas by the end of the second round, and uh, yeah, that's a that's a fight that uh, really like showed his weakness as well. Like he had he like actually he had he's back for like seven or eight minutes, like almost like four minutes on the first round and probably like three or four minutes of the second round, and he couldn't even choke him, and then he was just like. Uh, Shooting takes down, shooting takedowns, very, very sloppy, and uh, yeah, no, that's I'll, 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 I'll study him very, very well, and then once I step into the cage, I know exactly what I have to do. So, yeah. Sean, next up, the featured fight pass prelim. We got Alex Cowboy Oliveira. He's minus one twenty-five. A lot of money's come in on him, and the comeback on Tim Means is plus one fifteen. Holy shit, dude! I cannot believe. The line movement. I mean, I can, but I can't, you know, because Means was like minus... Wait a minute, what is he? <laughs> minus 125 for he? Alex Cowboy, plus 115 for Means. It was like the opposite of that, like, before I went to the gym earlier, so... Okay. Interesting. Yeah, but, it's you, been flipping around, okay. You know, earlier this week, man, I had this conviction that Alex Cowboy was going to win this fight, and I was almost going to bet it, but... Then you go back and watch some of Tim Means' fights, and they call this dude the dirty bird for a reason, man. I mean, they could call him the clean bird because, I mean, the dude, the way he grabs your fucking wrist and, you know, throws an elbow down the middle or his straight punches, I mean, it's so clean, man. It's so smooth, and it's just a pleasure to watch him systematically destroy guys. But the guys that give him problems are the guys that push him up against the fence, take him down, rinse and repeat, and, uh, you know, don't play that distance game with him. You know who's really fucking good at clinching guys up against the fence and is almost developing his own style doing that? Alex Cowboy, man. You know, people... I, that's right. 
Dude, people try to act like he's uh, some Muay Thai guy, but that's not really the case at all. Like, he's, yeah, he's got nice footwork, and he's got his hands down when he's at distance, but, I mean, when he closes that distance, I just love this dude's clinch game, man. I mean, fucking ripping elbows and the takedown attempts, and then you, you, then you defend the takedown, and then he goes back upstairs with a knee. You know, um, I love this guy's fighting style. So, for me, it's one of those situations where... I know he's going to get in Tim Means' face. I know he's going to push him up against the fence. So the question is, can Tim create that separation and you know throw one of his big elbows and slice open Alex Cowboy and make him discouraged? I just feel like it's a bad matchup for Tim unless, unless Alex decides to strike from distance, which he is not known for at all. What he is known for, like we've already described, is the way that Matt Brown beat Tim Means. You know? Matt Brown pushed him up against the fence, ripped the elbows, hurt him, and then got Tim Means to shoot, which is a first, and then he tapped him out, you know? So, man, I mean, is Alex Cowboy about to grind him out? Like, we talk about Alex Cowboy a lot because the dude fights a lot, and, you know, we've mentioned this before. He's the kind of dude that injures dudes in the gym. I mean, you kick this guy, and he checks your kick, and then you break your foot. You know what I mean? He throws a knee to your your body, and you break your rib. Oh, shit, that actually happened. That happened his last fight against uh, Will Brooks. Dude, I mean, it's <laughs> funny. You know, people are like, oh, it was a fluke, a pre-existing injury. Yeah, get, no, the, get the fuck out of here. When you knee someone in the right spot and it breaks something, I mean, how is that a fluke? It's like saying that you punch someone in the chin, they went out cold, and it was a fluke. That was not a fluke. That's Alex Cowboy's game. That's what he does. He broke Will Brooks. But now we're uh, moving up a weight class, and we're taking on Tim Means. And, dude, I don't know if we're going to break him, but I think we'll grind him out, man. It's just about... Is Tim going to create that separation to throw a nice elbow and change the tide of the fight? I don't think he's going to do that, but I respect him so much that I don't want to bet against him here. Well, you know what? You know what I like against uh, nice, clean, calm, precise people? I, I like dirty, ugly, caveman shit against those guys. And this is what Hellboy brings. Some dirty, kind of messy get a, get in your face and, and mush you uh, not precise not exact caveman shit that's what he's got and and i love tim means you know what i'm saying that i love tim means watching him destroy people but he's one of those guys who, he's he's waiting to make it perfect he's waiting for that pinpoint thing and if you he destroyed hamasi sure <laughs> but couldn't he have gotten to hamasi a lot earlier didn't he let Hamasi off the hook several times? You know what I'm saying? I, I, I had means inside the distance there, or maybe I had fight doesn't go the distance. And it was like he was obviously breaking him down and hitting him to the body. And dude started running, and the fight was over, and I'm waiting for him to jump on it and actually end it. And it just kept on showing itself, but not happening until, you know, it eventually did happen. Um, you know, means is big, but he's probably a guy, if he really wanted to, could make 55. Uh, I feel the same thing about Hellboy. I think a lot of us are missing the boat on, on Hellboy. Like, he's pretty fucking good. You yeah. know what I'm saying? His striking is not terrible. It's, it's not precise, but it's aggressive. It's effective. 100% this fucker is not scared. You know what I'm saying? He is, he is thinking offense out there. Uh, you know, that can lead to bad situations sometimes, but so far, except for like, you know, times where he gets taken down and submitted, 
it's pretty good because he's going to impose his will on you because he wants to get chest to chest with you. Uh, he's very athletic. He always comes out calm and smiling. Uh, he seems to have a mean streak in him. Um, he seems super strong. If you really watch him clinch with people, it seems like people can't move him. Like, it, like uh, when you watch Grayson Tebow uh, clinch with people, it's, it looks the same sometimes. You go to move this guy or, or switch him around, and he doesn't fucking budge, you know? In that Will Brooks fight, Will Brooks calmly with his back up against the cage said, okay, all right, well, I'm going to do this. Oh, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to look good doing this. Oh, I'm fine. You're holding me up against cage, but nothing's happening. And the dude just calmly took an ass whooping. You know what I'm saying? Like if Tim means gets up against the cage and finds that thing where he can't swing him around, he can't push this fucker's head backwards to land that elbow he can't get the space to land the, the right shots. Does he calmly sit there and wait for the time that that happens? Does he get taken down and crawl back up? And then the second time he gets taken down, he doesn't, you know, he's not, he's not too fast to get back up. He's okay with not getting back up. We've seen him do that before. We've seen Tim Means accept being on his back. We've seen Tim, Tim Means be the guy when he gets put on his back, he is okay with both shoulders being flat on the mat for quite a period of time. He's not the guy who shrimps to his side automatically. He is the guy who's, okay, I'm flat on my back. Let me try to work for something that's obviously not going to submit anybody. He has those holes in him. You know what I'm saying? Surely dangerous. Surely the better guy at distance. Surely the more accurate guy. But I don't think this is going to be that kind of fight. I think this is going to be ugly, chest to chest. And when when you try to get Cowboy off of you, you can't move him. And then he's taking you down. Or then he's landing his own elbows and knees and elbows and knees and dragging you down, and then you're tired, and then he wins. You know what I mean? That's how I see this fight going. I see Oliveira uh, pulling off a decision, having his moments, you know what I'm saying, having, having bad spots, I'm sure, because Tim Means is so tough. But you can get to him. You can break him down. You can keep, him, keep his back on the mat. You can keep his back on the cage and, and watch those seconds tick off the clock and win rounds that way. That can happen. That's what I think is going to happen, and I bet on that to happen. In Tim Means' defense, and I've said this a lot, I favor a good get-up game over good takedown defense any day. And the reason I bring that up is because if you watch that John Howard fight, you know, a lot of people like to point out, oh, John Howard took him down twice. But it's like, dude, if you really watch it, it's like, Tim Means scrambled up to his feet immediately. I know John Howard's no D1 wrestler. I'm just saying he has improved that part of his game since when he fought a guy like Masvidal. You know what I mean? So I do think that part of his game has improved. However, with Alex Cowboy, his end game isn't necessarily to take you down. He's cool with uh, being clinched up against the fence for all 15 minutes. Yeah, he'll hold you there the whole time. Yeah, he's fine with that. And this isn't, we're not talking about somebody who's uh, like a sitting duck when it's striking time. You know what I'm saying? Like he's fucking dangerous striking wise. He tries to hit you hard and, and, and he wants to end up close to you afterwards. So he's just going to close distance and throw bombs and you can't ignore these bombs. You have to block them. And then he's got underhooks. You know what I mean? Like he's not, he's, he's not shitty standing up. He's, he swings hard. He's got decent kicks. He's got decent punches. He's a solid guy. This is an up-and-coming guy. 
big fan of both, but I'm going with uh, Alex Cowboy, man. He's just too strong and just a tough guy to deal with. Yeah, I agree. Also in the welterweight division, we got Alex Garcia. He's minus 170, and Mike Pyle is plus 160. Uh, you know, Mike Pyle has a reputation for being the baddest motherfucker in the gym, but sometimes when he gets out there in front of the lights, sometimes... It doesn't go his, his way. You know, he does have a bit of the tall man defense, has been knocked out more than once. But, man, if he can get past that first round, he's so dangerous. You know, his knees in the clinch, his veteran savvy, his ground game, everything. It's just about easing into the fight. But, man, Garcia is definitely the kind of guy that can test that chin early. So it's one of those things where I either see Garcia getting that early knockout or potentially Mike Pyle knocks him out. But... I think, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but I, I think Garcia gets him out of there in the first round. But man, if he doesn't, take a look at uh, your live betting lines if your uh, book provides that, because this could be a good opportunity where Alex Garcia, who is known for gassing, he gasses every single fight if he gets past that first round. So if he comes out hard and he can't put Pyle away, look to live bet Pyle in the second round. Now, Real quick, disclaimer. I said that about Pyle's last fight, right? And then he got knocked out in the second round. So, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't fucking put your entire uh, bankroll on it. But definitely consider that. I-, I think it might be a good angle to look at just in the sense that, I mean, not because Alex Garcia is minus 170, Sean. That's not why I'm saying this, all right? I'm saying this because this <laughs> motherfucker gasses every fight. He's been rocked more than once. Pre-USADA, he got rocked. Watch that fight with Sean Spencer. And post-USADA, he got knocked out. Uh, Strickland took care of him. So, Mike Powell's got that long game, too. I mean, he's nowhere near as good as Strickland. Strickland is fucking smooth with it, man. Strickland's an underrated guy. Remember when he beat Tom Breeze? Yeah, where, where'd he go? He was supposed to fight someone, he but he pulled out. Who was he supposed to fight and he pulled out? Uh, I don't remember, but, man, he had a good one. I don't know. The Tom, Tom Breeze fight it was quite a while ago, man. UFC 199. Yeah. It was the How night, long ago? The night that Bisbing yeah, knocked out Rockhold. That's a minute. But, yeah, I mean, so what do you think, man? I mean, do you agree with me? you think Alex Garcia has the potential to get that first-round knockout or gas out really damn hard? Yeah, this is this is a lot like Vittori's shoe face. Like, Mike Pyle, I like Mike Pyle here. I have a bet on Mike Pyle. Um, I like him in Vegas. I, I like him to uh, retire after this fight. I think he knows that. I think that he needs to go out on a win. I think the... The stories of him in the gym are not an accident. I think that talent is is there. We've seen pieces of it. We've seen him get hurt and come back and win. We've seen him. His jujitsu is not a myth. That's that's real. He is that good. Um, and we've seen him carry some striking power. And on the on the downside, you know he's ancient. He gets knocked out. Uh, the chin is a fucking problem. The defense is a problem. And you know, Alex Garcia can definitely exploit that, but this isn't a situation just like that previous fight. Can Mike Pyle make it out of that storm? Can he get to that second part of the fight? Because if he does get to the second part of that fight, I think he's going to win it. Because no matter how far you think the pile has is, is dropped off or how close he is to the end, I mean, Alex Garcia has dropped off just as much, right? Or did he ever have it? Well, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I want to make another point. USADA strikes again, dude. It could be, dude. It could be in his case. But the real truth, I mean, the real truth about Garcia is, is he a victim of hype? Because when he was on his way in, 
Remember what people thought of him? Remember what he was supposed to be? The next he never really showed any of that. Yeah, he never he never really showed any of that. That never happened. Even in his wins, you're still like, eh, whatever. Like, never showed us anything, I don't think. Um, yeah, he can hit Mike Pyle and knock him out in one shot. Sure, that could happen. We've fucking seen it happen. But we've seen this fucker gas. He's chinny himself. And if this gets into a bloodbath fucking back-and-forth trenches fight when Garcia is tired and... and um, Holy shit, I just spaced his fucking name. And Pyle is, is not as tired. Pyle can take advantage of that and, and get something. And if he gets top control, it's pretty nasty. I, I don't trust Garcia totally not falling into a guillotine or, or, or something tricky that Pyle can throw up from his back. That can happen too. Pyle can land shots, can land knees, the whole thing. So Pyle needs to get out of the first four minutes to six minutes and then after that i think he's going to be in the driver's seat um you know it's a big if though it's a big if because alex garcia hits hard and he swings fast so it could be over at, at any moment but i like veteran gritty at home going out on a win mike pile here speaking of big ifs we got Johnny Big Rig Hendricks. He's a plus 130 dog, and Neil Magny's a minus 140 favorite. Where do we start with this one, Sean? You want, you want to take this one first, man? I, yeah, I can go ahead. I, so if you don't know me from previous podcasts or haven't followed me on betting for the last X amount of years, um, I, I have bet on Magny to win uh, every single fight that he's had in the UFC, not every single one. So if you know about Magny's run, that's a fucking great run for me too. Um, when he fought Larkin, Larkin came out at plus 160. I had to take that because I thought there was a chance that Larkin could beat him. Uh, we saw what happened there. I, I, I'm not going to lie and throw out a bunch of technical jerk-off stuff of, <laughs> of why I think this or that is going to happen. This is simply a hunch. I don't know why that I think that Hendricks is going to knock him out. I just do. I, I, it's very hard for me to turn off the thing that, that I bet on Magny every time because, he, you know, let's talk about Magny's what Magny does good, okay? The reach is incredible. That's just a physical attribute that you have to deal with no matter who you are, and it's going to be difficult for you. Um, the chin is not great, but the recovery is fucking great. If you if you hit him and hurt him, sometimes that just wakes him up and makes him fight harder. The the wrestling has sure as shit gotten better. We've watched it get better. Uh, the sub defense I still think is a little iffy, but I don't think that's going to be an issue in this fight, of course. Um, but the thing that he does most is controls pace, uh, controls it with distance. We call it magnifying. He can magnify you because he's he's not hurting you. So you feel no sense of urgency to, uh, to, you know, come back and fight hard. It's like he sets this comfortable pace where you could kind of live with what he's doing to you because it's not hurting and then think that later in the round you'll get at him, but you don't, and then you're magnified and then you lose. That can happen. Um, uh, it, Johnny Hendricks has looked in the past couple fights like he is the perfect person to get magnified 
can you see Johnny Hendricks not throwing much, not being able to pull the trigger, and then jab and circle his fucking face off and there's nothing he can do about it for three rounds? Yeah, fucking absolutely can see that. It's probably the most likely thing to happen. It's hard for me to go against all those things, especially with my record on betting on Magny, and say I, I am following my hunch and I am picking Hendricks to knock him out instead. I can't stand going against those hunches because if Hendricks loses, I'm okay with that. If I don't bet on Hendricks or if I bet on Magny, even though I think that Hendricks is going to knock him out with no proof and no real reasoning, I fucking hate myself. I can't stand going against my hunches and then finding out they were right and losing. I can't do that. So I, when I have a weird hunch like this, I just go with it. I had to say, um, Ellenberger and Brown, when that fight was signed, I was like, Ellenberger's going to knock him out. Ellenberger's going to stop him. That was a crazy thing. There was no reason to think that that fucking happened. Um, when Wonderboy fought Hendricks, I was like, Wonderboy is going to knock Hendricks out. Everybody was like, you're fucking nuts. And I was like, yeah, I don't even know why that. Yeah, I don't. Right. Exactly. I don't, I don't know why I think that's going to happen, but that's what's going to happen. So sometimes these are wrong. Sometimes these are right, but I am always going with them. So I am going with them here. If I lose, fuck me, I'm stupid, but I'm not going against the hunch. So there you go. I think Hendricks comes in and and looks decent, puts some wrestling on him, puts a big left hand on him, gets him out of there. I also thought that Hendricks was going to make weight, though. So, full disclosure. I was like, no, Hendricks is going to make weight this time. You'll see. Fucking sure shit didn't. Looked like a zombie. Looked like, in that interview, he looked like he's been smoking meth for three years. And <laughs> talked like he's been smoking meth for three years. He just sounded like a crazy person who was about to fall over. And after all that, Still didn't make weight. Ouch. That sucks. So, whatever. I'm in, dude. I'm in. Penny or a pound, I'm in. <laughs> well, I respect not going against your hunch, but uh, I respectfully disagree with the pick. I think you're wrong, and I think that Magni is going to whoop his ass. Not only does Magni have an 11-inch reach advantage, but he's one of these guys that knows how to use that reach. A lot of guys might have a reach advantage, but they don't know how to use it. Neil Magny knows how to use it, man. And not only that, he's got plenty of experience fighting against short southpaws. I mean, you could make the argument, look, Kelvin Gastelum, Hector Lombard, I mean, both those guys, they're short southpaws. They can knock dudes out, and they can out-grapple people as well. Neil Magny, had this uh, been a three-round fight against Kelvin Gastelum, he would have got a 30-27, dude. One does not simply 30-27 Kelvin Gastelum. One does not simply knock out Hector Lombard. He was the first man in MMA history to finish Hector Lombard via strikes. I mean, that's a big fucking deal, dude. And I know since then he's been stopped himself. But, I mean, dude, that was just an awful matchup for him. I mean, we broke down that fight together. It was... It was yourself, James Vick, Biggie Rhodes, and me. And all of us picked Magny except Vick. And he was like, look, man, Larkin is just way too explosive, fast twitch, and dynamic for him. And that's the bottom line. And I agree. That's that's what ended up happening there. I don't think that's the case here, dude. I think that, you know, Hendricks is going to have a little burst in him early. You know, he's probably going to try to push him up against the fence. But like you said... The way that Magny is able to recover is just unbelievable. And we haven't seen Hendricks knock anyone out since 
you know, since Fitch, since Campman. It's been a long time, man. A lot of shit has changed in the sport. And just like you mentioned that, you know, you do have a really good read on your hunches. I feel like I do too, bro, because I've been fading Hendricks every single fight since the second Lawler fight. I'm like three and one, you know, cashed the second Lawler fight, lost the Brown fight, and then won the, the Wonder Boy and the Kelvin fight. So I feel like I've got a good read on Johnny, and I think he's completely done, man. You know, I've got friends that are friends with him that tell me that, you know, he's hungry and stuff, but I, I just, I feel like it might be beyond that, man. You know, maybe he does want to be the old guy that, you know, that won the title, and he, now he's back at Oklahoma State. Wait, fuck, I, I don't want to fuck this up. Is it Oklahoma or Oklahoma State? Because you say it to the wrong guy, and they'll be like, bro, get it right. But <laughs> but, but bottom line, he's back in there with, uh, you know, with the wrestling team that he, that he grew up with and, you know, doing all that shit. But then he fucking acts like a crackhead at the, you know, at the media day. He starts, dude, he, he was a... Uh, he was seconds away from flipping out at the media, you know what I mean? And the media are just a bunch of fucking harmless reporters. So, yeah, dude, I, I don't like where his mind state's at. And, you know, the nutritionist he has, you know, I mean, dude, nutrition's a really nice guy. I've had him on the show before, but we got to be real here, man. I mean, you know, I saw someone make a tweet that, oh, before, you know, you're quick to blame the nutritionist. You know, the athletes have their own choices, too. And it's like, you're right. You're 100% correct. But didn't we watch Anthony Pettis eat steak and eggs on Embedded a couple weeks ago and Lutrition approve that? He's like, you've been working so hard. Go ahead and eat this. You know what I mean? So where there's smoke, there's fire, Sean. And Lutrition, I mean, he's got 0 for 3 with dudes uh, making way his last three fights that he's, uh, you know, been the nutritionist. So... I don't know what the fuck Johnny's been eating, bro, but bottom line, I think he's completely done. You know, I said, it's funny because not only did we break down the last Neil Magny fight together, we broke down the last Johnny Hendricks fight together. And I said that Kelvin Gastelum was going to retire him. I was wrong because he came back for one more, but you know what? I'm about to be right here. I think Neil Magny is going to retire him. And I took a one unit shot on Neil Magny. It was plus 105 when I got it. Now it's funny because I heard that five dimes canceled a lot of the early uh, Magni bets, but uh, you know, if you got another, why book, the fuck would they do that? No idea. Why but would if, they do that? But if you got another book like yours, truly, you should be good to go. But either way, man, minus one forty. You know, I don't normally bet those kind of lines, but in a situation like this, I think this is a good spot, man. And I think what's going to happen is that eleven inch reach advantage is going to be a big factor. Neil knows how to use it, and dude, do not be surprised if when Hendricks gassed. When Hendricks gasses, if he's the one that gets taken down, I know, I just said it, the D1 All-American, don't be surprised if he's the one that gets taken down because Neil's got that element of surprise. I mean, like we talked about uh, with that Kelvin fight, you know, people are like, oh, he outgrappled Kelvin, Kelvin sucks. It's like, nah, dude, he caught Kelvin with the element of surprise, and he can do the same thing with Hendricks here too, man. This ain't a wrestling match. This is an MMA fight. You mix the striking to the takedowns. I would not be surprised one bit if he back-mounted Hendricks and pounded him out just like he did to Hector Lombard. And we know about Lombard's uh, judo pedigree. I mean, Lombard's a badass. You don't just out-grapple that guy. Neil Magny did that, man, and I know his last fight, you know, might be a little stain on the record, but dude, this ain't fucking Lorenz Larkin, you know what I'm saying? This is Johnny Hendricks at the tail end, and uh, yeah, I think this is his last fight ever, John. Uh, <laughs> I almost called you Johnny. I think this is his last fight ever, Sean. I, you know, I wish I had some kind of technical argument to throw at you. I just do not. I, I wish I did not feel the way that I do. I just do. So I, I stick to that, and that's what's happening. I mean, uh, as far as 
look, we've seen the majority of the top of the 170-pound division, not just lately, but pretty historically. These guys eventually get to the point where you're like, you're done. That's it for you, buddy. And then they come back and they put they string together a bunch of wins. You know what I'm saying? At one point, we were over Tyron Woodley. It's like, you are done, dude. And the, all these guys are floating around the same age as, as Johnny. Johnny has not had the uh, – Johnny is done. He's fallen off the cliff. He's never coming back. He, You know what I'm saying? Like, this is his moment to reverse that just as Lawler did, just as somebody like Woodley did, just as a lot of these guys did. There is room for that still. Yeah, but Sean, you know what I'm saying? Like, here's the difference I see, man. Is look with Woodley, you know, it, I really, honestly, looking back at it, I feel like it's his personality that made people be like, oh, he, he, you know, he's done or whatever. It wasn't his fighting skill because look, he had that close fight with Kelvin Gastelum, right? And at the time, we were like, you know, oh, he, he went to a split with Kelvin, but now it's like, yeah, Kelvin's a badass. And then he took like a year and a half off, and he asked for a title shot. So that pissed a lot of people off. And that kind of skewed their perception of Tyron Woodley. But with oh no, even way before that, way before that, we're gonna we're gonna stand around and stare at Jake Shields. It's true. We're gonna get totally fucking ob- ob- obliterated by by uh, Nate Marquardt. Like and Rory, it's but there, dude. It's, you know it's true. You're right. There, there but, was there was points where you're just like, oh, well, you would have been cool. Like this would have been cool if you were good. But you're not. I just don't and now see who, who's champion. I just don't see Johnny having that resurgence, man. Because I feel like with him, his whole goal—you know how we talked about with Gray Maynard when he fought Frankie for the title—and in his pre-fight video, he's like, "I'm going to win the title and then I'm going to ride off into the sunset." It's like that was his end goal, and once he accomplished it, Gray didn't accomplish it. But once Johnny accomplished it, he was never the same ever again because he didn't have. You know, his goal wasn't, I want to break the title defense record. I want to do this. I want to do that. His goal was just, I want to win the UFC championship, be the best in the world for one night, and that's all. And that's what he did, man. But ever since then, he can't keep his weight in order. You know, he's been knocked out since then. He's been outstruck for three rounds since then. He's been outwrestled. I mean, Kelvin took him down, right? I'm not just fucking full of shit, right? No, but dude, he's been fucking beat up in a way where, you know, I just don't think he has it anymore, man. It's three of his last four fights he's gotten his ass whooped, man. And the Matt Brown fight wasn't very inspiring either, you know. But hey, man, if he goes yeah, out there, all that shit is true, dude. If he goes out there and beats Magny, holy fucking shit! I just, I think he's done, man. And I don't think this is a resurgence all that, situation. All that shit is true. Don't be surprised if he goes out there and puts together uh, a three rounds of wrestling now, too. You know what I'm saying, like. He, he I'd be surprised he if, he, if he kept it up. Work. Like, if he did it for one round, okay, you know, but I'd be surprised if he had the cardio for all three. I know we're talking about a former champion here, but, man, uh, you know how it gets with Magny, dude. He's, like, freakishly strong and just free. You, you underestimate him, and then he performs in a way where you're like, wait, he just knocked out Hector Lombard? Like, he just fucking took down Kelvin Gastelum a bunch of times? Like, he's a badass motherfucker. Not somebody... N- not somebody I ever underestimated. You know what I'm saying? Like, 10 wins under in a row at one point on him. But Always you, the dog. You're the, Always the dog until until the end. You're the guy who bets him every fight. So, like, I understand, you know, you fade him against a guy like Lorenz. You know, Lorenz is in his prime, athletic, dynamic, everything. But why Johnny, man? Why, why, why bet Johnny here? I get the hunch thing, but, like... I mean, do you really think he's going to close? That's it. You think he's just going to close that distance and send him flying like he did to Martin Campman a million years ago? 
No, I have no, I have no idea why I think that. There's no rational reason to watch these guys fight and then think what I think. So I can't even like justify it. I can't tell you why I think that. I just think that. So it's like, you know, sometimes it's a really good thing when I think that and stick to it, and sometimes it's just fucking stupid and wrong. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I am prepared for that to go either way. I am just not prepared to uh, have a hunch and not stick to it. I don't yes, know sir. why that happens, but that happens. Hey, no, I, res- I, got I no, respect that. There's no reason to think. There's no reason to think anything besides what you think, especially after that interview, especially after missing weight. There's no reason to think anything besides what you think. Are you saying it's too I obvious? I should be thinking that. Almost, yeah, yeah. Like I, I wish that I didn't feel the way I feel. I just do. Man, I can't help it. God I mean, it. shit. We've all been wrong before. I mean, I was wrong in a way where you know that Sage fight, man. That that'll haunt me till the day I die. I didn't even have a losing night that night, and it's just like, man, certain things don't change, and you gotta learn the hard way. So, uh, I have a no. F- he's yellow, man. It's it's he was obviously yellow. You know what I'm saying? But if I had a feeling that that Sage was gonna knock Mickey Gall out, I would have been all over Sage regardless of him being yellow. That's it. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. that time there's no no hunch. So, you know, no problems. And for the record, I will be fading Mickey Gall's next fight as well. All right, Sean? <laughs> but uh not if he gets Dan Hardy. Oh Can man. we talk about, I know this is has nothing to do with anything real quick, but everybody shits all over Mickey Gall calling out Dan Hardy. I love Mickey Gall calling out Dan Hardy. Smart. Because what you did was call out a name of a guy who's been on a couch for fucking 53 years who was never great on the ground to begin with, that's a pretty good call-out. You might have just called out an easy name who's not ready to fight. Like, if that happens, like, Gall winning that isn't crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I definitely underestimated I don't think we'll, I don't think we'll find out, but that was a good call-out. I don't think that was a shitty call-out. Man, you know, I got to give him props, dude. He got his first professional victory, you know. In my in my book, he's 1-0 now. So much respect to Mickey Gall. <laughs> and, you know, you got Johnny Hendricks. I got Neil Magny. We each got a unit on it. May the best man win. Now, next up, here we go. Main card time, pay-per-view. You better order this shit and support the sport because we got Ray Borg. He's minus 135. The comeback on Lewis Smolka is plus 125. And... Man, this one's a train wreck too, dude. This one's kind of hard to call in my opinion because, look, I feel like Ray Borg is a really bad matchup for Lewis Smolka, but then Ray Borg shows up at 129 pounds and shit. And here's the thing, though. He's missed weight before and dominated. Like that fight with Gene Herrera, he missed weight there too and went in there and dominated. So, you know, it could be a situation where he outgrew the weight class, but the dude's like fucking 5'3", 5'4". So, you know, you know what I'm saying? He should be able to make 125. But then- he's, he's, he's young, and he outgrew the weight class. His body's getting bigger. He's not going to be a 125-er for life. Yeah, you but, know what I'm saying? This again, kid is probably a, a 135-er, if not a, if not a featherweight. Yeah, you look at a John Lineker, even though they got a completely different style. And Lineker, you know, he's shorter than Borg, and he's a 35-er now having great success. So... You know, maybe maybe uh, Borg just needs to move up a weight. Um, but here's the thing with Smolka, man. It, it's interesting because Smolka will almost purposely get himself in bad positions just so he can scramble out. His scrambling ability is second to none. And that works in most of his fights. But against Borg, I feel like that's going to be really tough to do because if you get in a bad spot with Borg, you're probably staying in that bad spot. 
So, man, that's it's such a tough one for me to call. But then you see that plus 125 on Smolka. At this point, you know, if I had to bet one, I'd take the plus money. But I think Ray's a bad matchup for him, man, just based on uh, him being able to stifle the grappling of Smolka. And in Smolka's last fight, you know, people say it was a fluke. It wasn't a fluke at all. I mean, he straight up shot a head outside single early in the fight. And got fucking guillotine. You do not shoot a head outside single early in a UFC fight. I mean, you just fucking don't. Especially against a, you know, a submission whiz. Well, I wouldn't go that far. But, you know, he was like a Mexican fucking grappling champion or some shit, right? And, dude, that guillotine was nasty, man. That was one of the nastiest guillotines I've seen all year, dude. So, he did his thing. But, man, Ray Borg likes to jump for them guillotines too, dude. So, I would not be surprised one bit if we saw a repeat here. And, uh... I got clips from both guys. I spoke to both of them. Uh, and, man, their mindsets are completely different, man. I mean, Smolka, to me, he seems like he's more bummed about the loss than he is excited about this upcoming fight. But at the same time, talk is cheap. And if you saw his face-off, dude was intense. Even though he looked dead on the scale, dude was intense. So there's that. And then there's outside factors for Ray Borg, too. Like, he's being sued by his former coach. So for those that don't know... Ray Borg is currently at Jackson's, but he hasn't always been at Jackson's. He was actually at the rival gym of Jackson's, the same gym that Tim Means trains out of. And Ray Borg, you know, his head coach was Tom Vaughn. And uh, Ray was like, look, man, I hit a plateau. You saw the fight with Scoggins. Scoggins whooped my ass. I need to change things up. So he went to Greg Jackson's. He's been working with Six Gun Gibson with all the crew at Jackson's. He's been evolving his game. But now uh, Tom Vaughn, his old coach, is suing him because uh, he says... Basically that, you know, this dude owes me uh, 20% of his purse for the next three years. So I don't know if, you know, Ray's got that on his mind going into this fight. Because, I mean, being sued by your old coach, someone that you put that kind of trust and faith into, it's got to be a weird feeling, man. Like someone that you used to look up to and, you know, you sat them down, you told them, look, I'm plateauing. I need to change things up because I want to be the UFC (laughs) world champion. And, uh, man, Tom Vaughn didn't take that. Too well, dude. And uh, now he's suing him. But Smolka, he's got his own issues going on. This one is fucking tough to call. But I'll tell you one thing. The fans are in for a treat. Because when these two scramble, it's going to be some of the nicest uh, groundwork you've seen all year. Um, I like Borg as well. I like Borg inside the distance. There's, I've always had problems with Smolka. I think, uh, you know, I've heard him say things like, oh, I didn't really train that much for this guy, blah, blah, blah. And, and I, I always hate hearing things like that he's also gotten some kind of accidentally advantageous matchups where where people uh strike with him when they should have grappled or grapple with him when they should have struck like that seems to happen quite a bit and and the way that uh, what you were talking about with the scrambling ability the reason why i like borg here is smoke is scrambling smoke his scrambles end up looking good because he sells out to do it. Like he will chance a very dangerous position in order to scramble out and go for something. Like it's an all or nothing move that he makes. And he put himself in, in tons of problems that way. Uh, the Hollihan fight was a lot of that was like, I'm going to sell out to try to get here. And sometimes he would get there Sometimes he would just fucking make it worse for himself. When he sells out in a scramble to gain a position or or escape a position against Borg, 
I think Borg will have a trap set for him and, and be waiting for that and grab a submission. I think there's going to be a lot of rolling around and scrambling. I think it's inevitable that, that sooner or later, Smoker will, will sell out and, and, and do something that's, going to, that, that's either going to put him in a great position or put him in a terrible position. And against somebody's grappling, uh, like, like Borg's grappling, I think terrible position is where it falls. And eventually he gives up that neck and, and Borg gets him out of there. On top of that, uh, you know, Borg is super strong, man. He, he appears to be, anyway, super strong at that weight class. I think he can muscle Smoker around if, that, if it comes to that. And standing, we see what Brandon Gibson can do with people. His standing was, his stand-up wasn't bad before that, really. You know what I'm saying? Kind of rudimentary, but still pretty fast. Seemed to have some power. Pretty aggressive. You know what I'm saying? So if that's gotten better, Smoker has his own holes on the feet as well. You know what I'm saying? You can't get a really outstruck by Richie Vasilek for, <laughs> for two rounds. And you know what I'm saying? That's a problem, right? You know what I'm saying? It is if, a problem. But then again, can do that to you, Ford can do it to you. He's just a kid too. So, you know, he's gotten way better since then. But I want to bring something else up, man. You know how he was training with Max Holloway and Yancey Medeiros and all these fucking badasses and all these dudes from Hawaii are getting so much better every fight? He's not at that gym anymore, Sean. That is a big red flag to me. You're not training with a fucking world champion Max Holloway. You know, it's one thing to get that specialized attention, but when you surround yourself with winners, I mean, you know, they say uh, you are your... I don't, what's the fucking quote, man? <laughs> You are who you sur- <laughs> you are who you surround yourself with is what the quote is and okay. uh, man he left okay it. Well, that is the quote from now on if it's not the quote we'll go with that from now on yeah and uh, he ain't training with the champ no more um, man I don't like why I don't know some he he didn't really go in detail on the show uh, but you know some shit went down basically and some shit went down with Borg too so they're both in like really weird situations outside of the fight. But inside of the fight, like we saw today, man, I mean, Smolka looked like death, but he made weight. And Borg actually looked really good, but he missed weight by a mile. It's a bad matchup for Lewis Smolka, so for that reason, I'm going Ray Borg. But, I mean, would it surprise you if, if Smolka pulled this off? I mean, you know, no, it wouldn't, because he could sell out in, in some kind of transition. He could sell out in a scramble and, and get the good position instead. I just don't think that... I think that works against Hollihan. I think that works against Ben Nguyen. I, I don't think it works against Borg. I agree. And uh, here's what... Uh, who, who do you want to hear from first? You want to hear from Smolka or Borg? Do Smolka first. Well, this is what uh, Louis Smolka had to say about his loss and about his upcoming fight with Ray Borg. That sucked. I cried for a while. I cried and I drank a lot. That's pretty much what happened. I just drank a bunch of scotch and I kind of just sat there in my room and just or like in my living room it was just kind of pretty depressed you know like suck dude because you care about it so much like everybody wants to be like the the dominant guy the guy that's gone like 30 and oh like with the mayweather records and stuff you want to come out like or like a beast you know you want to go down in history and like because now because of my record i mean you could say that chris carry also lost doesn't count but stats 20 years from now no one's gonna care i'm exempt from the discussion of the greatest ever because i have two losses that's it it's plain and simple i will never go down in that argument in like 20 um i took away a lot of things i mean just you know i didn't even research the guy in all honesty i've been kind of taking this honestly like pretty fast and loose and i mean 
I, I don't research my guys. I don't really game plan. Like, I kind of just go out there and, like, I mean, there's, like, a little bit of game plan. My coaches will do it, but I'll never actually watch the guy fight, and I'll kind of just make it up as I go. And, yeah, I mean, I guess it's about time I took it, like, a little bit more seriously. Just start adding more things, you know, stop plateauing. I feel like I might have plateaued a little bit there, and I got to work a little bit more. Kind of maybe work on some new things, you know, keep evolving. I think it's going to be – this is the death of a prospect, honestly. He's a hype prospect. I'm a hype prospect. We're both coming off losses. One more loss kills us. I mean, honestly, I would I would see the loser of this fight maybe winning one more UFC fight over the span of his next four or so and getting cut within the next year or two. That's honestly what I see for the loser. Like, this is the death of a prospect in my eyes. Man, that's where his mindset's at, Sean. And uh, this is what Ray Borg had to say. And, man, Ray Borg sounds a lot more confident to me, dude. I think it's a great matchup for me. Um, I don't think it's that great for Smolka. I mean, even though, you know, we're both grapplers, we're both scrambly. I mean, he plays, I mean, right into my style of fighting. I mean, the tall, lengthy guys, I that those are actually the fights that I like the most. I mean, even though Scoggins was tall and lengthy, his it was more of his style, his karate style that threw me off. And, uh... You know, Smoka style is going to play right into my favor, and I, I think the matchup is great. I, you know, I'm excited for it. When you watched Smoka's last fight, were you licking your chops? Because I know you're a guy that loves jumping for that guillotine. Yeah, I, uh, you know, that's kind of how I always seen it playing out if I fought him, and, you know, I, I think that's, I think it'll go the same way, uh, possibly even, you know, different, but I didn't watch the full fight, I just watched the finish, and the first thing that came to my that to my mind is, you know, things things wouldn't be much different if it was me in there, and I don't think they will be. Next up, Sean, welterweight division. We got Dong Young Kim, the stun gun. He's minus one forty. The comeback on Tarek Safadine is plus one thirty. Before we break this down, I got a question for you. Are are we about to see spinning shit, Dong, or are we about to see grind you out, Dong? Because uh, nobody knows. Depending on nobody which guy shows up, knows. this fight is gonna, you know. Uh, the breakdown just is going to go in a different direction depending on which guy shows up. Because, look, if it's grind you, Dong, then uh, Tarek's going to lose a decision here. You remember that Rick Story fight? I mean, fucking Rick Story's got a chin, man. He had a clean head kick from uh, from Tarek and no problem. But, man, he pushed him up against the fence for a majority of that fight. We know the stun gun can do that. But sometimes the stun gun gets super reckless. Sometimes it pays off when he's spinning back fists uh, John Hathaway or when he knocks out Eric Silva. But... You know, when you go against a guy like T. Wood and you try that shit, he'll knock you out in the first minute of the fight. Tarek, he's known for being a good technical striker, but you know what he's not known for, Sean? He's not known for knocking dudes Everything out. Everything else. He's a point no, striker. Certainly not. He's a point striker to the core. I mean, the dude, man, he's very effective. His leg kicks, I mean, dude, those leg kicks fucking hurt, but the guy is not known for putting people away. So, you know, Kim has been stopped before. His three losses are all stoppages. Even though, uh, you know, you know, he lost to Cara Parisian, but that shit got overturned. But hey, because because uh, our boy, our former boy, was on them painkillers. Man, Cara Parisian, the Heat back in the day, that dude was a motherfucker. You know what I'm saying, Sean? That was when judo was brand new, right? Everybody was like, <laughs> judo. Holy shit! What are you gonna do with that? How you threw me on my head? You know what I'm saying? That was some new shit. It really People was. Figured man. that out though. It, it really was, but you know, since yeah. then, you know, that fight was overturned. His only losses have been first round stoppages to Carlos Condit, Damian Maya, and T Wood. So to me, there's no shame in losing to those guys. Uh, and Tarek's not known for putting people away. So, I mean, Dong's never lost a decision besides the Caro fight back at fucking UFC 94. So I just see Dong winning the decision here. But 
man, if he goes out there and is too cocky with his stand-up and starts, you know, throwing a bunch of spinning shit with his hands down, I mean, Tarek's a very technical guy. Don't be surprised if Tarek can, can outpoint him. But, man, I just see Dong pushing him up, up against the fence, mixing in the takedowns, getting that decision. But, once again, Tarek's been putting in work at TriStar. Don't be surprised either way, but I got the stun gun here, Sean. Well, I, I when, when fights are made, I write down a line for the fight. I, I write down a line for the total, and I, I write down a line for the, the sides. <clears throat> and then I watch all the fights, and I adjust that line. And then I stick with the line, and then when the actual lines come out, if they're far apart, I make a bet. And I try to do this about three weeks to a month ahead of everybody else. Because I don't, uh, I don't like talking about them before I've decided because people get in my head. And I don't like seeing the line before I've decided on a line because if something comes out that's shocking to me, I'll question it instead of, you know what I'm saying? Like if the line comes out and I'm like, why is it that? What am I missing? Let me go back and look. And then I'll fucking overthink myself into a loss. So I like having all this shit decided beforehand. I have never had a problem deciding these things. I cannot decide or make lines for this fight. I have no fucking clue what's going to happen. I was stuck from the beginning. I watched a bunch of fights. I am still stuck. I have no idea which stun gun shows up. I feel like grindy stun gun can come out and grind. Um, then he could have some cardio problems down the stretch, and then he could get beat up a little bit. That makes it tough to decide. I feel like spinning stun gun could miss a lot early, get tagged with little jabs and leg kicks, gas out doing spinning shit and missing, and then get, you know, com completely avalanched by, by Tarek Safadine. Um, I feel like spinning, spinning stun gun could land one on Safadine and get him the fuck out of there. Like, I really have no clue what's going to happen. I have no clue if it goes over or under. I feel like stun gun and over is the way to think about this, but I don't know which guy's going to show up. I don't even know who to pick. I have no fucking clue. I have no clue. I feel like I will, if I have to guess, I will guess that if this is grindy stun gun, grindy stun gun wins two out of the three rounds and pulls off a decision. That's all I got. You ready to disagree a bit, Sean? Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> we got TJ Dillashaw. He's minus 200, and the comeback on John Lineker is plus 185. And, look, I, I get the whole, uh, oh, TJ by decision, Matador versus the Bull. You know, John Lineker is going to be swinging at air. TJ's got this amazing footwork. He's going to pick him apart. But then it's like, you're fucking wrong. I mean, don't you agree with me that John Dodson's faster than TJ Dillashaw? Yes. Okay, well... It wasn't like fucking John Dodson was outspeeding Lineker that much. I was actually surprised that Lineker's hand speed was matching Dodson pretty nicely. It was just Dodson's got more movement. Yes, this is true. And Lineker's a little bit more stationary. This is also true. But do not underestimate Lineker's hand speed. But more importantly, do not underestimate the way people react when they get hit by John Lineker. When dudes get hit by John Lineker, they react weirdly, dude. They do not act like themselves 
And uh, he's just got that effect on dudes. So I know everyone's thinking, oh, TJ's just going to pick him apart for three rounds. It's easy work. It's easy money. I mean, he's the next Dominic Cruz. Uh, he got robbed in that fight, this and that, which is all bullshit. Um, dude, I, I honestly think that he can either win a decision here or he can knock out TJ Dillashaw. I mean, we've seen Dillashaw get dropped in the past. Uh, we've seen him get hurt in the past. I'm not just talking about the Dodson fight. I don't even fucking watch the Hugo Vienna fight. You know what I'm saying? The dude's been rocked more than once. Fucking watch the goddamn Joe Soto fight. I know, a classic letdown spot, but dude, you get tagged with those same counter right hands that Soto tagged you with against Lineker, and you're going down. Now, last time TJ fought, you know, you were on the show, and you had TJ, I had a Sun Tzu, and the reason I picked the Sun Tzu, I was like, look, the same counters that he got him with in the first fight, he's going to get him with here. And, you know, he, he was coming off a fucking two-year layoff, he was injured, and he tried to do those same counters. It was a close fight. He just wasn't good enough on that day. John Lineker, on the other hand, I think he's going to be good enough to do this, man. I think when, uh, you know, TJ tries to do his makeshift uh, Dominic Cruz style, you know, triple jab to a left high kick, and then he's going to get countered with something big, and then he's going to be very hesitant, and then John Lineker is going to walk him down, mix it up to the body, and this is about how tough TJ is. I know he's tough, so he's probably going to last to the decision, but do not be surprised if Lineker puts him away, man. I think this is Lineker's time, and I took the one-unit shot at plus 205. Currently, it's plus 185. Fuck it, man. Go for it. But, yeah, I took that one-unit shot at plus 205. Now, one one last thing before you go, Sean. Going into this fight, I was like, man, TJ is going to win an easy decision. Lineker is going to swing at air. But then you watch that Dodson fight, man, and when he decided to fight, he closed that distance. He got in his face. He made John Dodson run away. And once John Dodson got hit, he was like, okay, yeah, fuck this shit. And also, that was a five-round fight. We know Lineker can go five hard rounds. But now, it's a three-round fight, and he's not going to have to conserve himself and you know, take the first round off like he did in that Dodson fight. This time, man, I think TJ's going down, dude. And, uh, yeah, I took John Lineker. That's my, that's my upset special for UFC 207. I mean, I can't really blame you, dude. I, I made a line. I, I liked TJ... At, at like the 170 range i stared at a 190 and was like i better do it and then i didn't and then the 190 disappeared and never came back um except for now it's back what is in that now minus 190 with a plus 175 comeback okay. so as we're speaking money's coming in on lineker which is a bad sign for me but hey maybe for once the public's smart <laughs> uh, i'm not i'm not yeah, I'm not going to play it straight, but um, my original thinking is still my, my same thinking. I think that TJ Dillashaw will have the game plan to to beat Lineker. I think when we talk about the Dodson fight, I get different things from the Dodson fight because I thought Dodson won it. So, you know, the same kind of game plan can win it for Dillashaw. Dillashaw knows that he needs to strike and get out. He's excellent at striking and getting out. If he lingers in the pocket a little bit too long, that's a fucking problem. If he trades a little bit too much, that's a fucking problem. But he also needs to not do what Dodson did, which is basically backpedal the goddamn fight away. You know what I'm saying? So you've got to, here's the thing about Lineker. He's coming back with fire after you hit him, but you can hit him. You know what I'm saying? You've got no problem with hitting them. And the more punches are in, com in the combination, the more punches are going to land. And the, the kind of things that TJ does where it's, it's three punches and ends on a high kick, I feel like that high kick is going through all night. You know what I'm saying? And, and it, 
Lineker can obviously, we've seen it, eat a fucking flush head kick. You know what I'm saying? But you can't win a fight by eating flush head kicks over and over again, forever anyway. You know what I'm saying? You could win the Dodson one that way, I guess, but it, it can't happen that way forever. Um, Lineker does that thing that he does really fucking good, but that's all he does. You know what I'm saying? And, and when you get somebody that skilled and, and that understanding uh, of, of, of space and, and range, it's, it's tough to, to not be bull against Matador and just have the Matador whiffing at you all night. Um, so, you know, what you said in the beginning, yeah, bull versus Matador, TJ hits him, gets out of the way, outpoints him and wins a decision. That's, that's what I got in this. That's how I feel about this one. Can TJ be hurt? Fuck yeah. Can Lineker land a bomb at the end of an exchange and knock him cold? Fuck yeah. Can, can he hit him and scare him and then make him backpedal until he loses the fight? That's less likely in my opinion, but yeah, that can happen. I feel like the most likely thing here is Dillashaw, Dillashaw by decision, which I have a bet on. So uh, risky. I don't like that straight price, but I still I can't get off the idea that Dillashaw wins a decision here, so I stuck with that. I know exactly where you're coming from, man, but man, the way I'm seeing it is, like I said, dudes react weirdly when John Lineker hits them, man, and I don't know how TJ's going to react when he takes that first liver punch or that first punch to the chin. Not saying he's going to fucking quit or anything, but dudes are like, oh, it's like that. You know what I mean? Like, what have you ever seen a John Dodson run away? I know, he, you know, against DJ and shit, but like... People were saying that he's so much faster than you know, that Dodson's so much faster than him, and this and that. And the fact that he was able to keep up with Dodson in a five-round fight that speaks volumes to me. You know, that speaks volumes that he's not just some flat-footed, fucking stationary target. You know, it, it might appear that way, but dude, when you uh, when you eat one of those shots, you're gonna think twice. And just TJ picking him apart for 15 straight minutes and not having to go through any shit just sounds too good to be true for me, man. I, that's that's absolutely true, and I, I agree with everything that you said and that it could definitely go that way. As far as the Dodson fight goes, there was times where Dodson lined up a perfect two-punch combination, hit him with it, and disappeared easily. There was times in that fight where, where Dodson stood still, waited for Lineker to come forward, and blasted him with a head kick, and it landed perfectly, and the fucker disappeared after that. You know what I'm saying? Like those things happened as well. You know what I'm saying? And Lineker stuck with it. And when Dodson slowed down, Lineker was still around. All that happened too. But the the times where it was Bull versus Matador, the Matador fucking nailed him a bunch of times. You know what I'm saying? And and it, you know, TJ isn't going to slow. TJ isn't going to. Yeah, I don't think he lost the fight, but he lost the fight. Uh, TJ isn't going to stick around as long as Dodson did. TJ will not slow down as Dodson did. And you never know, dude. You never know if, if it's not going well, is it out of the question for TJ to snatch a takedown? Nope. He'll totally do that. That's totally in the, in the game plan. That's, that's, that's plan B. Don't make any mistakes about it. it. When he rushes forward and it's just a reactive takedown, he puts him on his back. You know, TJ, his wrestling is no joke. His top control is no joke. We haven't seen a lot of it recently, but it's still there. It's there. 
Here's my thing with TJ though. He's such a competitor. Sometimes he lets his ego get in the middle of things. And if he tries to, you know, if he tries to get a little cocky in there with Lineker, it's, it's going to be a big mistake. He has to have a super disciplined game plan to win this fight, in my opinion. Yep, you're right. Because look, I know I talk about this guy every every card, but I mean, Jimmy Rivera is a motherfucking winner in every sense of the word. I know for a fact that if Jimmy was fighting Lineker, his ego would not, I wouldn't even have, you know, that thought in my mind, oh, what if Jimmy gets tagged once and decides to go toe-to-toe? -to -toe? I know for a fact Jimmy wouldn't take any unnecessary risks, and he would just go out there and get it done. That's why I think he's going to be the guy to dethrone Cruz, not Garbrandt, but we'll talk about that in a bit, but yeah. If TJ is going to win this fight, he better have the most fucking disciplined game plan he's ever had in his entire career. Because that dude gets hit a lot. And if there's one guy you don't want to get hit by, it's Lineker. Yeah, both, both roads are uh, extremely possible. Indeed. And speaking of which, man, the co-main event of the evening, Dominic Cruz is minus 210. And Cody Garbrandt, or as we like to say in Brazil, Cody Garbranch, is plus 190. And, uh, dude... You know, I think that, you know, this is another one of those uh, Matador vs. Bull situations, but I think this is really a Matador vs. Bull situation because I don't see the kind of, I don't, I don't, I don't know if talent's the right word, but I don't see the, the potential in Garbrandt that I see in a guy like Lineker. Like, Garbrandt's explosive, he's fast, he's got knockout power, this and that, but we're, we're talking about one of the greatest of all time here in, in Dominic Cruz. Not that, you know, he can't lose because... Everyone loses in this sport, and if he fucks around too much, he can go down too. But, man, we don't know enough about Cody here. But one thing we do know is, look, this guy knocked out Tomas Almeida. And, yeah, you know, someone's going to be like, oh, but Tomas doesn't have the footwork that Cruz has. This is 100% true. But if you can knock out Tomas Almeida, you're legit. I, I don't give a fuck. If you knock out Tomas Almeida, you are legit. That's the bottom line, man. And not only did he knock him out, he knocked him out in the first round, and it wasn't even a fight. And that's fucking Tomas Almeida. But now we're dealing with the best footwork in the game. But man, Cruz does fight with his hands down. And, you know, he did get rocked in that last favorite fight in the fourth round. He got rocked really hard. No one noticed it. I fucking noticed it. But you know what? On the flip side, he's been sitting down on his punches a lot more. And as a result, he dropped favor twice. And we know Garbrandt's chinny. I mean, not only has he been knocked out in the most devastating fashion ever in that Gerald Hodge fight, but you notice in his UFC fights, when he gets hit, he kind of reacts weird, man. He doesn't, uh, he, not that anyone likes getting hit. I mean, maybe John Lineker does because that dude will fucking smile at you. But Cody does not act good when he gets hit, man. And now that Dominic's sitting down on his punches more, I would not be surprised if Dominic put him down. But here's the thing, man. I don't think it's going to be like a 50-45. I think Cruz is going to go through some shit early. I think he might even get dropped early. But I think he's going to overcome and persevere like the true champion he is. I mean, when you get injured and you're on the sidelines for three years, you don't just come back and win the UFC world title. That's the kind of mental fortitude that Dominic Cruz has. So I'll always tip my cap to a guy like Dominic Cruz. I don't think Cody Garbrandt's going to be the guy to dethrone him, but I do think it's going to be a, a somewhat close fight. I think Jimmy Rivera is going to be the guy to dethrone him. So for that reason, man, I got Dominic Cruz and still. Oh, and real quick, Sean, um, are, are we starting the yeah. uh, the no love equals no chance campaign here? Yeah, that's been started since the beginning of this poor bastard's career. But yes, especially here. Especially here. I, I've got some pretty strong feelings about this, this fight, of course. Um, man, 
let me just preface this whole fucking thing with can Cody Garbrandt land a bomb on Dominic Cruz and knock him out? Yes, that can happen. Okay. Like let's, yes, that can happen. Uh, but Dominic Cruz must've been a good boy this year because Santa is, is really just checking every box off his, off his Christmas list you know, Dominic Cruz, he's the best MMA mind in the game. He's the biggest student of the game. He's the biggest fight analyzer. He's one of the best analysts just separate from his fighting. Um, he's got the best mind for MMA in the sport, hands down. And what he put on his Christmas list is, is he wants somebody stupid and he gets the stupidest guy. He, he puts on his wrist. Hey, can I have a one dimensional guy that, that can only do one thing? He gets Cody Garbrandt who can only do one thing. Can I have an inexperienced guy who hasn't beat anybody? He gets Cody Garbrandt, a super inexperienced guy who's never sniffed anything close to Dominic Cruz. You said that knocking out Thomas Almeida makes you legit. I say knocking out Thomas Almeida does not make you legit. Uh, Brad Pickett almost did it. He's a guy that you can get to early with shitty defense and everybody tags him and he got hit hard and tagged and put out. Um, Besides that, Mizugaki totally off the cliff that uh, I'm not even considering that one. Uh, Henry Briones. So one of those times where uh, Garbrandt gets hit and all of a sudden is super confused about things. Like I don't, he looked terrible in that fucking fight. Uh, you know, Marcus Brimage has, has hit him a lot. Um, oh it's man. Kenyo he's Mendes always looked terrible. Yeah, he's he's always looked terrible to me. He's always looked like an uh, about to be knocked out guy. Like, you know, Dominic Cruz puts on his Christmas list. I I want a guy who comes in stiff with his head up when he punches. He gets Cody Garbrandt who does exactly that. He wants uh for Christmas, he wants a guy who uh mentally is just so out outraged about everything and emotionable emotional about everything he wants somebody who will come in pissed off and try to kill him because my plan is i want you to try to kill me santa bring me somebody who i can make do that there's never been a clearer case in this sport that i've ever seen of somebody controlling somebody else like this everything that dominic cruz says drives Cody Garbrandt off the fucking edge. You know what I'm saying? Like he can't even stay in an interview with him. He can't get words out. He just shouts and yells. And, and he is obviously going to go right at Dominic Cruz and try to knock him out with just punches. That's all the guy does. Dominic Cruz. Are you telling me that you could be like, Hey, Dominic Cruz, I'm going to bring you a guy. He's going to do one thing. And you're going to know exactly what that thing is. Why can't Dominic Cruz crush that guy? He can. He can. Here's your one game plan. I hope, it, I hope your one thing that you can do can beat Dominic Cruz. That's all you got. You know what I'm saying? You've got this puncher's chance, and the number is nowhere near a puncher's chance. It's, it's these crazy odds on this fight. I, oh, man. Cody Garbrandt is nowhere near 
ready for this. There's all kinds of, of hot shit prospects who have stepped up to fight a champion that they were not ready for, who got decimated, who got crushed and it changed your career around permanently. This could be that, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, Horiguchi was not ready for Demetrius Johnson. This, that wasn't a career changer for him, but you know what I'm saying? You saw what happened. He's an extremely talented guy. He's just not ready. He'd never fought anywhere near that. And he got dominated. That's just how it is. That's how it is here. You know, if, if Cody Garbrandt comes in this fight and gets crushed, he's probably got the loser of Lineker and TJ, right? If TJ wins, or excuse me, if TJ loses but doesn't get knocked out viciously, I think that TJ does the same thing to Garbrandt that Cruz did to Gar- that Cruz is going to do to Garbrandt. I think if Garbrandt, when Garbrandt loses, and if Lineker loses, the Lineker knocks out Garbrandt. So I think what you're doing is setting up. Uh, this guy, it's too early for him to get the title shot. You're going to give him the title shot. He's going to lose. He's going to drop down and fight the loser of the fight before this and lose to him too. So that's potentially, that's a career changer right there. That's how those things go. When you rush somebody who's not fucking ready, you know what I mean? Like I, I, there's a zillion signs in this fight where Cody Garbrandt is going to lose. The most likely thing here is that Dominic uh, embarrasses them and decisions them easily. The second most obvious thing is that Cruz knocks him out because there's plenty of times where Cruz can sit down on a punch, hit him with something he didn't see coming on the way in and, and hurt him and then pile up, pile up, get reactive takedowns, tire him out, get on top of him, beat him up, finish him. That could happen. I'd say third down the list is, is Cody Garbrandt knocking him out. For us to be wrong about this fight, Cody Garbrandt has to beat up Dominic Cruz for three rounds and then knock him out like an obvious win. Like, wow, Cody Garbrandt is better than we thought. This is how we won. Look at that. You know what I'm saying? Like, Cody Garbrandt just walks out there and hits him and knocks him out. I don't think he's better. I mean, that could happen. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just not seeing it. I'm not seeing the number here. I'm not seeing this as being a competitive fight. I'm seeing Cody Garbrandt get destroyed. And we know nothing about Cody Garbrandt's wrestling. We know nothing about his submission defense. We know nothing about any of that. For every person that you've told me was a good wrestler in junior college or in high school, who gives a shit? You know who's a good fucking MMA wrestler? Dominic Cruz. He's really fucking good. He's one of the best. He'll snatch a takedown out of nowhere. Would you you at all view this as MMA's version of uh, Mayweather versus Canelo? No, it's more like um, it's more like Tito Trinidad versus David Reed, except for Trinidad was a puncher. You you took David Reed, who was not ready but was a definite hot shit prospect, and you put him in there and you totally ruined him. It's similar to Fernando Vargas in a way. Fernando Vargas against Tito Trinidad, where you rushed this guy. He's a hot shit prospect. He was obviously not ready. You put him in with somebody he's never even come close to fighting, and he got destroyed, and it ruined his career. That that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You know, I feel Mayweather like doesn't really beat the shit out of you like that. If Cody is to win this fight, man, you know, obviously we all think he's going to come out headhunting, but I feel like if you want to beat a guy like Dominic Cruz, 
I mean, this is easier said than done. You got to implement leg kicks early on because if you can stop that movement, then maybe you can get to, you know, catching that chin. But, man, if you're not stopping that movement. You think that Cody Garbrandt is going to come – you think Cody Garbrandt's going to come out leg kicking? No, nah, this is actually the game plan I think Jimmy Rivera is going to use when he beats Cruz. But I'm just saying, if someone were to beat Dominic Cruz, I feel like that's how you should approach it. But Cody's too much of a meathead to do that, in my opinion. No, he's completely, he's completely in Dominic Cruz's pocket. He's completely owned by Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz says, hey, I'm going to make you really mad until you come after me and try to kill me. And Cody Garbrandt 100% agrees with that and will do that for you. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, it's very obvious to me. It's very obvious. If, if Oliveira, if my two early bets win, I will be doubling up on Dominic Cruz. I just need one of my first ones to win, and then I'll be good. Well, I definitely hope Dominic Cruz wins, man. I, you know, like you said, one of the greatest minds in the sport. I mean, just hearing him talk, the dude is such a genius. Love his inside, and uh, would love to see him remain champion. So uh, I heard you had a bet on this fight too, right? How much you got on it? Oh, I was just going to do all the bets at the end because the last couple of podcasts I've been forgetting half of them or saying half of them and not saying the other half. So we'll wait until after this next fight and I'll go through all of them and read them off. All right, so dude, main event of the evening. You ready for this shit? The return of Ronda Rousey. Is she ready for this shit? Minus 145, the comeback on Amanda the Lioness Nunes is plus 135. And you know I hit that... Uh, that plus 220 opener on Amanda Nunes. Now it's plus 135. Obviously, the line movement has me a little worried. But here's the thing, man. It's actually a good matchup for Nunes, in my opinion, because Rousey, okay, she has a judo throw to an armbar, and holy fuck, she's killed almost everyone with it. But, you know, her striking has always been kind of sloppy, in my opinion. You know, she does have knockout power. But the thing is, in that fight with Betch, you know, I just don't feel like Amanda is going to get into a sloppy brawl with, with Rousey. I mean, Amanda has really nice lateral footwork. She's been getting better every single fight. And when she hits, I mean, she she hits like a man. I mean, Dustin Poirier told me that, like, she drops dudes in the gym. You know what I'm saying, Sean? Like, that that that's what we're dealing with here with Amanda Nunes. The, the biggest issue is that she hits so fucking hard that she gasses herself out. And, you know, towards that third round... You know, she sometimes doesn't have anything left. But to me, this is like a one-round fight between two one-round fighters. I mean, Rousey's also a one-round fighter. We've only seen her go past the first round twice against Misha and against Holly. And, I mean, Holly whooped her ass in a way where, I mean, she quit the sport. She ran. You know, she's fucking covering her face at the airport. I mean, she won't talk to fucking Joe Rogan after the weigh-ins. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, who acts like that, dude? Like, when Conor McGregor faced defeat, he was at that press conference the same night and was giving credit to Nate Diaz for being the better man that night. Ronda Rousey does not know how to accept defeat, and it's kind of weird, man, because all great champions have to face defeat. I mean, look, when DJ lost... To Pickett and to Dominic Cruz, it's not like he fucking quit the sport and ran. When McGregor lost, he didn't quit. And, I mean, even non-championship uh, fighters. Like, look at my boy James Vick. Very devastating loss to Benil Dariush. He's back on the horse about to fight Johnny Case. He, he didn't fucking, you know. He, he was on my show a month after that fight. Like, you, you know what I'm saying, Sean? Like, Oh, yeah. What, what the fuck, man? Like, what's what's the deal here with, with Ronda, man? Why is she acting like that? Because not only is she acting like that, but, like, her coach is like the worst coach in the game. And, you know, someone could say, oh, but he brought her to the championship, to the belt. It's like, nah, dude, she would have won the belt regardless. And one more thing, 
You know how I always called uh, Ronda the Hoist Gracie of the women's division? Yeah. I feel like this could be the, the Matt Hughes versus Hoist Gracie of the women's division. This could be that fight where Hoist Gracie comes back and gets fucking smashed badly at his own game, man. I feel like that's what... Uh, going to happen or not that Nunez is going to judo throw Ronda and armbar her but I'm just saying I feel like Ronda's going to come back and get that beat down just like Hoist Gracie did against Matt Hughes and so man I'm going and still here and uh I think uh Amanda's going to knock her out obviously we got to worry if the fight goes past you know maybe the second round but dude the reason I'm not that worried is because it's like it's not like Ronda's a proven you know finisher in the later rounds or anything like that She's a first-round fighter, just like Amanda, but I think Amanda's way more technical that, you know, she's not going to get judo thrown in armbar, and that's my prediction. So I took the plus 220. It's currently plus 135. I mean, so much line movement that it's kind of sketchy, but, dude, I have to fade Rousey here, and that's the bottom line. You know, spoiler alert, Ronda Rousey will not retire in the cage after this fight. Do you know why? Because Joe Rogan doesn't like to interview people after they've been knocked out. So that's why we're not going to get the retirement. I think we get the retirement through her manager's Twitter two days later or something ridiculous like that. Listen, I'm not even that concerned with breaking down these two people technically. I think when somebody who lives off of mystique, and this is historical, this is boxing, this is MMA, this is all throughout. When somebody who lives off of mystique gets that mystique shattered, it changes them permanently. It changes every opponent from that point on permanently. Um, you know, you brought up something great, Conor McGregor. Uh, I was, I was going to use that for this too. Conor McGregor's ego. Conor McGregor has a huge ego, has a huge mystique. He loses. He puts it together perfectly. He acts like, okay, you beat me. I'm going to do this. What does he do? He's interested in cutting off media and just getting back to being himself and making sure he's going to win that next fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then comes back and puts together a perfect game plan and does that and doesn't act like a head case the entire time. That's, excellent that's crazy that's you know a, a very very rare thing that he did ronda rousey is the opposite when she cuts off media about this it reeks of uh, we already know she's a head case that's that's a definite okay you all you have to do is ever listen to this lady talk and you know that for sure um she is interested in insulating herself from people asking her about being knocked out. I bet you that's completely off limits to talk about to her. I bet you she flies off the handle if it's ever mentioned. She said, said that she contemplated suicide. She's contemplated retirement. She's coming back to this fight talking about retirement. She disappeared after losing, ran out of the cage. Like, it, it's not... All those things are the opposite of what Connor did. All those things just lead up to you are not ready for this. Historically, when you get knocked out and the mystique goes away and it's brutal and then you go into hiding, you want to come out and get a soft touch, a, a tune-up. You, what you don't want, the bottom thing on your list that you want is a very aggressive 
early hard puncher. And that's exactly what she's getting. So when I say it's not about what these two can do to you technically, just if you've been doing this for years or you plan on this being your hobby for years, every single time a champion gets dethroned and knocked out and then they come back against somebody who's going to put them in the fire early when they're still unsure of themselves, bet on that. Bet on that regardless of who the people are. Bet Bet on it. 10 times and you're going to get dog money six out of the 10 times at least just keep doing that keep doing that over the years and you'll win this is just another time when you do that you don't get knocked off and then come back against somebody who's going to come at you and just try to smash your face i don't see this as being a competitive fight i see this i'm going to go extreme the other way i see ronda as being deer in the headlights and getting totally flattened and maybe strapped to a fucking board and taken out of the cage. She's not ready for this. She does not want this. She doesn't believe any of her own hype anymore. She can't believe her corner anymore who fed her bullshit the entire time, who gave her no adjustments to make. She's just coming back with the same old shit. She's just coming back talking about retirement, talking about movies, talking about this could be my last fight. Like, Okay, you know what I'm saying? Because this girl just wants to kill you. She just wants to pummel your face. So do you come at her aggressively? Do you trust yourself to come at her aggressively? Do you have any other game besides coming at her aggressively? Do you want to come out there and, and, and box her? You want to come out and keep it slow and be technical? Because you don't have that. Your best chance is to bum rush, go for a throw, and go for the arm bar, which she could possibly do. You know, these are girl fights. That could happen, sure. But she she has to convince herself that she is what she is or is what she was. She, it's so hard for her to convince herself of that, that she's cut off the, the ability of others to ask her those questions. She does not want to ask herself those questions. She's certainly not going to let other people ask her those questions. These things just add up to too much head case. I don't believe her. I don't believe she's back. I believe she gets fucking dusted off and we never hear her name again. Sean, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing uh, over and over again and expecting a different result. Exactly. I mean, what else is there to say here? I mean, she's a a plan A fighter. And like you said, what is she going to sit back and work her jab? That's just not what Ronda does, man. I mean, just back to the Hoist Gracie example. I mean, did that motherfucker have a plan B? You know what I mean? Like, Ronda's a pioneer. I have all the respect in the world for her, but you know none of that shit matters when we're betting these fights. This is a terrible matchup. Now, let's go back to back let's go back to when uh to when Ronda was, you know, the champ. She had the mystique, you know, she was going to retire undefeated, all this and that. At that point, people were also saying, man, maybe Amanda Nunes could be the one to dethrone her. Do you remember that, Sean? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, take advantage of her striking and hit her hard, sure. Yeah, not only were people saying that back then when she had the, myst- the mystique, but now she's coming back after the devastation, after, you know, it's not the same person anymore, and she's still training with Edmund. It's just wrong place, wrong time, in my opinion. And all, this almost seems like a, no. ca- like a cash grab to me, too, man. It doesn't seem like she really wants to be there. I mean, if she wanted to be there, she would address the media. And, like, to me, like, I know the media are annoying as fuck and they ask dumb fucking questions, but, look, Connor's a smart guy. He didn't have any problems facing the media, you know? And 
also what she can't talk to Joe Rogan for five seconds, you know, and she can't like cut a quick promo and be like, I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck this bitch up tomorrow or something, and then walk off. Like she couldn't even do all that. The whole storming off, you know, for both of those uh, stare downs, it's just kind of like, why are you here? I know that feels like you're petrified to me. That feels like you're repeating to yourself over and over in your head. You're saying, "You'll you'll win, you'll win, you'll win." You like you just want to get the fuck out of there as fast as possible. You just want to go back to comfort as fast as possible. It's you're about to be locked in a cage with the most uncomfortable person. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't understand how insulating yourself against pressure is gonna serve you well when you're locked in a cage with the ultimate pressure right Dude, now. You know what's you know so what I'm saying? Like, funny? I don't, I don't get it. What? You know what's funny? When she was on Ellen, so she was like, I still think I'm undefeated. Like, everyone starts clapping and shit, dude. I was fucking... No. I was dying, Yeah, you, I was dead, dude. You got your face kicked off. You're certainly... The only person that would be worse for her to come back against is Holly Holm. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's because we we can see that that's even worse for her mentally. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. uh, it's she needed a tune-up. She needed a tune-up. Why UFC, if you want her to stick around and make you money, why didn't you give her a tune-up? Let her get some actual confidence back. Let her answer some questions about herself. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let her answer some questions. She's going in there with nothing but questions and no answers. Yeah. I don't understand why you're just selling her out like this. I mean, if you want to make money off of her, fucking pay Misha Tate to stick around. True it would have been perfect. Hey, you know what else is funny, man? Like in that, in that in that commercial, like she's like crying in the commercial. Firstly, I'm sick of fucking hearing that. Uh, Fighting is the most important thing in the world. Like, you know what I'm saying? She's fucking crying in the commercial. And it's not like happy crying, like fucking, I just won the belt. I'm crying out of happiness. It's fucking like you're about to fight and you're, you're saying that shit. Like, bad news. Yeah, she's at, look, it, the best thing that could happen to us betting wise, I got the plus 222. I got two, two and a quarter units at plus 220. So I love that bet. And, and that would be great. A better thing for us, betting-wise, would be if she comes out and throws Nunez and arm bars her and everybody considers her back and then she's minus 600 against somebody next. You know what I'm saying? Like, minus fucking 400 against Holly Holm because Holly Holm has looked like shit recently. Or Holly Holm looks like shit against De Randami and... You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's a good betting opportunity, too. She's broken. She's done. This is the end of the story. Uh, if she gets a throw to an arm bar, okay, that's not fucking crazy. But it's still, it's still over, man. It's still over. And, you know, I know this has been talked to death about the that striking gift that, <laughs> you know which one I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, of course. What was that? Like what? Oh man! I've never seen that. That's that's fundamentally as wrong as it can be. It's like she accidentally switched southpaw at the same time as parrying with her lead hand, and then throws a straight from a switch stance that spins upside down. I don't. What is that? Who's teaching her that? Who who saw <laughs> her did do that and was like, yeah, that was good. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is she surrounded by yes men still? Oh, yeah, for sure. There's nobody who seeped into that camp and was like, listen, we need to fix some shit. Sean, let's, let's put it like this. that she needed to fix some shit. Let's put she, it like this. She wouldn't hear it. You know what I mean? Her own mother said that she needs to leave that fucking scumbag coach and she won't do it. So, I mean, what else is there to say? I mean, you, your own mother tells you something. You do it right then and there. Yeah, her mother's probably crazy too, though. Oh, for sure. But, I mean, at least she said the right thing. Leave that motherfucker. But look, man, I mean, look. The kids down the street at the fucking Tybo class got better striking technique than she does. Yeah, she hits hard, but against Nunez, you know, the, the technique difference will be on full display. So, Sean... We got to put this fucking thing out, man. So before we get out of here, the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So Sean Carey Tattoo, what is the final fight to watch for 2016, my man? Oh, Dominic Cruz, Cody Garbrandt. Definitely, that's going to be a fight to watch. I I think, um, you know, you're going to get to see uh, one of the best in the sport at the top of their game with uh, the perfect setup to, to look great. You know what I'm saying? And, and, it's, and it's like, even though I don't consider it a super dangerous foil that he's up against, it's perceived as a super dangerous foil, and, and, and it's going to make him look even better. So Dominic Cruz comes out, uh, dominates this fight, stops Cody Garbrandt, looks amazing, and gets some super fight talks going, whether it's uh, Mighty Mouse moving up or him moving up for Aldo, something like that. This is a, a great jumping-off point for him where uh, everybody's disappointed in the main event when Rousey gets starched. Everybody will remember how awesome and, and sneaky and slick Dominic Cruz was. Yes, sir. And my fight to watch is TJ Dillashaw versus John Lineker. Look, no matter the outcome, the winner is going to position themselves to challenge the winner of Dominic Cruz versus Cody Garbrandt, especially if they make a statement. And the way I see this fight going, man, I see it being fireworks because, I mean, TJ Dillashaw, you know that he's down to stand with anyone. And uh, obviously we, we don't got to say anything about John Lineker because, I mean, you stand and bang with that, dude, you know what happens. This is going to be fireworks. It's going to be two fucking trucks going at each other full force, man, and one of them is going to go down. Hopefully for my bet's sake, it's TJ Dillashaw that goes down. But regardless, that's your fight to watch, man. Lastly, before we get out of here, who is the fighter to watch, Sean? I think the fighter to watch is uh, Cowboy Oliveira. I think, you know, he's, he's on the fringe, and, and a lot of people are underselling what he can do. And when he comes out and, and works that same ugly, mushy game plan against a respected guy like Tim Means, people are going to have to take notice, and he's going to get a big... Uh, it has to be a big step up for him next. Um, you know, he has a lot of things that other people don't have right now. He's got a lot of will to win. Uh, he's, he's very strong. He's very relaxed in there. He's very confident with himself. He can be a problem for a lot of guys and he can be a problem for a lot of guys because when you look at him, it doesn't look like anything special. He doesn't do one thing in particularly great. Uh, but he's putting it together. You know what I'm saying? He's putting it together, and he's going to be somebody to be reckoned with in the future. He's going to look good in this fight. He's going to win a a nice 30-27. 
He's definitely someone to watch. For me, the fighter to watch is Neil Magny. I mean, look, man, in my opinion, he's got a sitting duck in front of him. And if he goes out there and gets a name like Johnny Hendricks in his resume, I mean, we're talking about wins over Kelvin Castellum, Hector Lombard, and potentially Johnny Hendricks. That's going to propel him and put him back where he was before he lost that Lorenz Larkin fight, man. And I still feel like Neil Magny has a lot of untapped potential. And his toughness really takes him a long way as well. So for that reason, Neil Magny is my fighter to watch. Sean, we did it, man. UFC 207. I mean, <clears throat> shit, last event of the year. It's going to be memorable. Happy New Year. Uh, fuck, let, let the audience know not only where to follow you, but let them know your bets for this card, man. Uh, the bets this card. I got a 1.2 unit round robin with Vittori, Pyle, Lineker inside the distance, and Borg inside the distance. I've got a one-unit six-team open that I've been uh, that's been going on for about a month. Uh, bunch of girl fights start round two, all cash, Faber cash, Covington cashed. Oliveira is what's left, so it's one unit at plus 410 for Oliveira. I've got a half a unit on Cruz inside the distance at plus 292. I've got one unit on Dillashaw by decision, parlayed with Hendricks at plus 225. I've got uh, 2.25 units on Nunez at plus 220, and I've got four units on Holloway, who's already won, with Cruz at plus 130. Um, those bets are always posted and pinned to my profile, Sean Carey Tattoo on Twitter, Sean Carey Tattoo on Instagram. If you want to see my tattoos, that's it. Man, we, we got a real D-Gen on this show, huh, Sean? Oh, indeed. Two of them. <laughs> Matter of fact, <laughs> this is this is true. This is correct. And uh, man, my bets for this car, you know, just one unit shots on Amanda Nunes, John Lineker, Neil Magny, and Marvin Vittori. That's it. Need two of them to, to win. You, you, you safe son of a bitch. Where are your plus two twenty fives at? Hey, you've insulated yourself in a Ronda Rousey bubble. Don't bring Hold up on. any plus 225s to Daniel. <laughs> plus 220 Nunes and plus 205 Lineker. So, uh, you know, we're covering some right, ground, right. Sean. We're covering some ground. We got it. Yes, sir. No minus 170s this time, man. And maybe next year. No, we change. hate those. Because, you know, on this next card, ah, shit, I'm going to admit it. I'm not going to say who I'm going to play. You already know. But word on the street is I might have a big parlay January 15th. So keep your eyes peeled. But, dude. It's going down tomorrow, Friday, UFC 207, the return of Honda Housey. So we'll see what she's got, man. Uh, Nunez about to get it done, and it's a great card start to finish. Cannot wait to check it out. Thank you so much to everyone that supports Half the Battle. Truly appreciate it. For everyone that's been down since day one, thank you. And for everyone that you know checked it out along the way, thank you too. About to take shit to the next level next year. That's all I got to say. So Sean Carey Tattoo, thank you, brother, and... Uh, until the next time, let's cash these bets, man.